the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. Thank you to all of you that are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us in audio form. We're also in video form, youtube.com slash cover3. Go ahead and hit us with a little subscribe right there. And uh, you can also find us in the CBS Sports app through your OTT device on Apple Podcasts or uh, on your Apple TV, on your Roku, whatever you use to hook up to that big screen well why don't you just throw us up on that big screen uh he is barton simmons he's tom fernelli he's danny cannell we've got a big old bag of mail to dig into remember there are a couple ways to get to us with the bag of mail always open uh, on our reviews you leave a five-star review uh, tell us what you like about the show tell us what you don't like about the show but if it's a five-star review also include a mailbag question we will flag it we will add it to the bag of mail the other way you can do it is by following us on twitter at cover three podcast and when we put out the all call for mailbag questions you go ahead and get in uh, right there so we're going to be hitting a little bit of both uh, here today as, uh, as as we take a look um, at what some of the listeners are, are digging into the on the news front we got a, got a lot of games that are up in the air you know we'll see we'll see what happens between uh, between now and when we sit down to record on Thursday but uh, Barton your your prescient words about Halloween seem to continue to spread throughout the entire country as it seems yeah, Halloween's came out with a, a big win against college football uh, this in 2020. Halloween's tough to resist. <laughs> tough. I mean, it's, it's Halloween's, Halloween's, uh, Halloween's undefeated right now. Yeah. Halloween didn't take many L's. Uh, no. a, a, lot of, a lot of teams taking them. All right, let's go ahead and, and dive in. This question comes from Valhalla24. Man, we've got a lot of Tennessee fans. Like Tennessee fans ride hard for the cover three podcast and I respect it. There are, are. there are a lot of Tennessee fans. Just period. Period. You yeah. Know? And it's, it's an extremely online fan base too. Mm-hmm. Valhalla 24 asks, what is the difference between a coach who was the head coach at a smaller school and moved up to a big school like PJ Fleck compared to someone who goes from coordinator to coach such as Kirby or Jeremy Pruitt how much of a learning curve is it? Go Vols. I think that this question is uh, interesting because fans who are trying to run their own like search committees in their head, and by the way, the offer stands, the Cover 3 podcast will rebrand as a search committee if you want to give us millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. We will run our own spreadsheets. We will make recommendations. We will leak only when you want us to leak just to test for public reaction. But we can be 
that search committee that takes in millions of dollars to provide a buffer for you, a university. So uh, our DMs are open, slide up in there and let us know if you would like us to rebrand from being uh, a college football podcast to a search firm. But as fans are running their own search firms in their head and trying to figure out, you know, what is an advantage over another do y'all place a lot of value in that head coaching experience? You've been there. You've been the biggest voice in the room, even if it is a smaller room. Is there any learning curve for someone like a Kirby Smart or a Jeremy Pruitt coming from a big program with a lot of great influences uh, in terms of coaching, but you were not the biggest voice in the room prior to when you got your first head coaching job? I would think, I don't think that head coaching experience would be like a prerequisite for me. Although I do think it also, it depends on the program, where the program is, where you want the program to be. So, I mean, I feel like if, if you're like in Alabama after Nick Saban retires, maybe you would prefer somebody who has that kind of experience because, you know, being the head coach at Alabama is something that's entirely different than being, you know, an assistant coach somewhere else. So, in those kind of instances, yeah, but I definitely think there is, there's got to be a learning curve if you've never been a head coach before at any level to becoming a head coach because there are just things that you don't have to worry about. If you're an offensive coordinator, you know, your job every week is to come up with a game plan, figure it out, you know, figure out your offense, figure out what you're going to do, come up with your plays. But you don't have to worry about what your defense is doing. You don't have to worry about what, you know, your special teams unit is doing. You don't have to worry about scheduling practice and all that kind of stuff and having that kind of thing, you know, doing everything that a head coach is kind of at the forefront of. Now, of course, a lot of head coaches will delegate a lot of that stuff to other people, depending on how large of a staff they have to work with. But still, it, there's a huge difference between just being a coordinator or a position coach and then being the guy who's in charge of everything and who is has the final say on everything. So I'd assume there has to be a learning curve. As the athletic director at Barton A&M, I will never put on my, when I'm talking to my search committees and uh, the people that I contract out, I'm never going to give them a description of my potential head coach and say, needs head coaching experience. Um, I think that that's a big mistake when you are like, like it's the same thing as, you know, has to have coached power five before mm -hmm. or needs to be an offensive guy or like whatever, whatever it is, that to me is, is the, is the wrong approach because winning football games and running a, a program are require skill sets that are not specific to offense or defense. They're not specific to head coaching experience or not. They're specific to, I, 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 I say this all the time, but they're specific to intelligence. They're specific to um, organization. They're specific to leadership skills. And I, and I think you can find that in a group of five head coach, a coordinator, a position coach, Sam Pittman. Uh, I mean, there's, those, those traits exist. You just have to figure out a way to find those traits because I think if you're hiring someone for their offense, if you're hiring someone for their defense, if you're hiring someone because of their experience, I think you are, you are immediately wiping away a swath of candidates that may very well be the best candidate. So um, that's a, that's a fairly abstract answer, I, I, but but I, I, I thought that would be my approach. 
I love it. I agree, uh, Barton, with what you're saying. It's sort of like projecting quarterbacks to the NFL. Like, and that's why the the, the hit rate is 50-50 of top, you know, top 10, top 15 quarterbacks taken in the first round. There's no formula. You just don't know. You don't right. know if the guy could have the perfect resume built up, maybe started in high school, then was at a group of five team as a quarterback coach, and then he was the coordinator, and then he was the head coach, and then he took a, a step up to a coordinator at a power – like, and it looks like everything's perfect, and then it crumbles apart when he gets the opportunity. So I'm totally on board with Barton saying is you, it, it really has to be a judgment call. And sometimes, you know, like when you meet somebody, there's something different about them. Sometimes you don't, I mean, you just, you truly never know. And there's examples of every different path to get there of success and failure. Two guys could have the exact same resumes. One guy's a home run. The other guy's a dud. Why is it? It's because that guy just didn't have it. Uh, you have to be a people person. You have to be a motivator. You have to be a manager. You have to be a delegator. All those things. I mean, that's only a sliver of about the 50 roles you have to. Daniel. Did we lose Danny? Danny, Danny. come back. Danny, come back. For, for once, it's not my internet. Oh, oh wow. How's that? Is that back? There he is. There, there we is. go. I, I got multiple internet connections. Sometimes it flips around. So I think that was what it was. Oh, so you I just went to, up, you, you've got an incognito internet, like beyond the incognito <laughs> browser. It's no. like when. <laughs> I have, I have multiple providers in case one goes down. I can make sure I don't miss this podcast right here. Just Ooh, to make such sure. A, such, so. a, such a massive former NFL quarterback house that you need a, an internet connection <laughs> yeah, for yeah. every wing. <laughs> yeah. I wish that was the case. It's because my daughters are playing Roblox all the time. It slows down the internet. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. So multiple paths, like no, just you're, you're saying case by case basis, no yep. perfect way I, to do it. Have you guys ever been in a position to hire people? I'm sure, I'm sure some of you guys have been in that position to hire somebody. I worked with a, I had a very small experience doing it. I ran a youth um, center uh, here in South Florida. This is right when I got out of the NFL, before I got into broadcasting, and I had to hire a staff. And I think it was one of the most fun things to do, but also enlightening, eye-opening things to do. When you sit down and you're the interviewer, you're asking the questions and what you're looking for because it's really hard. It's hard to evaluate people. And it's, it's one of the hardest things to do is to select the best, most qualified person that's going to succeed at your job, at the job you're applying for, or the job you're hiring for. It's just a very nuanced subject. I get, I can't stand that they hire consulting firms. Like if you're an athletic director, that's what you're supposed to be doing. That defines your job. I understand where you'd want other voices in the room. And a lot of it's a a CYA, you know, move. Hey, they told me to do this, but I, I love, you know, of what you're doing and the fact of what characteristics you're looking for in a head coach. Next question comes from Chrissy. Uh, this says uh, a mini bets one on the home front. Ah, Chrissy. Chrissy says, uh, cover three has been the highlight of my week for several seasons now, but I've been extra appreciative of the content. These guys creatively came up with all off season. Thanks, Chrissy. It was the best mental break from COVID, parentheses, and my third trimester. 
My husband and I pick six games a week and bet a chore meal at Ketera for the winner. I win almost every week thanks to the locks. There you go, Chrissy. Stop. Winners. My question. Hopefully she, hopefully she didn't take Michigan as we were locking <laughs> this past weekend. Sorry. Sorry about doing that. all one. the work. Yeah. Uh, Chrissy says, my question is this. At CPU, Fernelli Tech, Barton, a- Barton A&M, or DK State, would you at this point fire or keep Harbaugh if he was your acting head coach? Follow-up, would you consider Gaddis or Don Brown as a replacement even without head coaching experience? And for the purposes of this discussion, well, unless you want to say you would pull the trigger now, I, I, I would like to approach this as saying at the end of this season. If you want to say now you've seen enough, pull the ripcord and be aggressive, that's fine. But uh, I don't know. Where y'all stand on that one? I think I would. Yes, I, I think I would. Um, and then by, by, by would, I mean. That's what I expect year. from Barton A&M. I expect Barton A&M wants wins. Barton A&M is not taking excuses like we're, we're, we're cleaning house. Here's the thing I hate. I hate when media people tell fan bases, just be happy, man. You guys are playing as, you know, as, as high, as, as good as you can expect. You're, you're getting nine wins a year or whatever it is. You're getting 10 wins a year. Maybe you're going to a bowl game every year. And that's, you know, that's a really good place for this program to be. You shouldn't have expectations higher than that. And I, I take issue with that because I think it's okay to be aspirational. I think it's okay. I know there's only so many Nick Sabans. There's only so many Dabo Sweeney's, whoever else you want to throw in that bucket, right? I, we have two of them for sure. You know, maybe Ryan Day becomes one of those guys. I don't know who else you want to say is, is his potentials, but there, there's only so many of them. I get it. But, you know, like when, when you have a program that is capable of hiring one of those guys, and Michigan is. I know there are obstacles in Michigan. I know that there are it's, – it's not maybe as easy of a place to recruit to because of academic restrictions. I know that you got to compete against Ohio State. I get it all. But you're not in the MAC. Like, you're not a stepping stone job. All right? You don't have to just be happy with a coach that is doing enough. Like, you can shoot for the moon. And Jim Harbaugh was shooting for the moon. And Jim Barbaugh has elevated that program from where he found it. And that program is in a healthy place right now. But I think it's okay to say our goal at Michigan is to, and our goal at Barton A&M certainly is this, to play for championships, national championships, Big Ten championships, conference championships. And Jim Harbaugh, is, the, the, the evidence is there that things are not trending in the right direction in that regard. So... Look, if we make a hire, if we, we make a move and we make a make a, a, a new coach hire and it's wrong, we'll we'll tee it up again because we can keep on doing this and it's okay. It isn't irresponsible. Like this is the goal is to be at where Ohio State is, to be where Alabama is, to be where Clemson is, and Michigan can be there. Barton A and M can be there. I think I think as the AD at Fernelli Tech, I'm in much better position to answer this question than Barton is because at Barton A&M, as, as, long, academic as, nerd yeah, as long as you could spell 75% of your own name, you can get into Barton A&M. <laughs> but at Fernelli Tech, where we have standards, kind of like what Michigan has, 
I would also fire Jim Harbaugh at this point because, yeah, I, I do think that based on what we've seen to this point, the odds of because what is this year five or year six? I can't even keep track. Six, right? Because he got a seven year deal, and I think he has one after this. I think Sounds it's right. six. This is year six. Yeah. Okay. Well, when you can I clarify something? Because both you and Barton said the same thing. You guys are talking after the season. Are you talking right now? Rip no, no, no. After the season. After the after season. Yeah. Okay. I would so even encourage him. Okay. I would encourage him to go look for a new job, maybe find an NFL gig, Whoa. because I would, I would love for him to leave. Um, you know, yeah, in, in in good standing because he's done a lot for us at Barton and M. Yeah, and. I just, it's year six and there really hasn't, there's been, you have to give him credit for at least improving the floor and raising it up from where it had been in the two coaches before him. But there's been no evidence to suggest that he's going to lead me to a big 10 title. There's been no evidence to suggest that I can compete with Ohio state. And granted, as I've talked about in here before, I think that sometimes comparing every program to Ohio state is incredibly unfair because there aren't many, there aren't many programs in the country who can compete with Ohio state on a regular basis. So I th- but still uh, my goal is also to win national titles while getting that 4.0 GPA growing the man and sending them into the world to be better people. And I think Jim Harbaugh has probably accomplished a lot of that for Michigan, but the one thing he hasn't accomplished is the part where I'm winning national titles and I just don't think that he's going to do it. So yeah, I'm moving on. I I can't believe I, I'm, I expected from Fornelli. I don't know if I expected it from Barton. To just just fire a dude. This oh, you're gonna so, you're, you're gonna so, putz around at nine wins here for the rest of your life, huh, Danny? So at DK State. Here we go. Here's what I would do. I would let the season play out. I would say right now it isn't good, and I it's not acceptable. It is unacceptable what has transpired last uh, to this point. Let's see what Indiana is like. Let's see if Indiana is as good maybe as we think they are. Let's see how but bad if, some but, of these but, losses but are. But hold on though, okay? if Indiana if Indiana is better than me in the sixth year of my coach, that's not something to defend keeping him. But they like, weren't they weren't better than him when Harbaugh was rattling off ten win seasons. You know, it's not like he's been no, a but failure. But if Indiana has surpassed me and my coach is in year six, that to me is not an argument in his in his favor. It's like, oh, may, dude, you got right. passed by Indiana. All right, so here's here's what I would look at. And this is where I think personality has to come. Like I trust me, I have not heard the most rave reviews about people that have worked closely with Jim Harbaugh, right? And it's pretty well known. Like the guy is intense, weird, quirky, whatever it is. I've talked to broadcasters in this business, can't stand them because of what he's made them do in the broadcasting industry for your production meetings. Um what does that what mean? <laughs> No, and I've had this happen. I mean, this, some coaches are just rude. I mean, I, like they just don't want to deal with media because they realize that people in the media are the ones that get them on the hot seat, right? You criticize them. They're in a game and I can hear coaches. I don't know what he's talking about. Like I've been watching our tape and all this stuff. They don't know how deal issues we're dealing with off the field and they get mad. So then they just, there is a very contentious relationship with the media with some coaches I mean, Harbaugh, I mean, look, he hung up on Colin Cowherd. Remember that when he got all weird? Colin's like the softballest interview ever, like the nicest guy ever, and he hangs up on him. Um, he's very distrusting, won't let you, you know, have access to a lot of his film and other things uh, of that like. So it's just, it's a weird relationship that he has with the media. I would say, and it, maybe it's weird with the, because he is negotiating his own contract, right? And he has been very vocal against the school's desires, school wishes, 
to shut down this football season, right? Like he was one of the ones that was going against his own administration. So maybe that's created some tension. And look, he created tension everywhere he's been. Remember you, you heard stories when he left the 49ers. Thank goodness he's gone. You know, like it was a nightmare to work with. So maybe there's some of that going on. Aside from that, if there's not, I think you have to go back. And like the, the Indiana thing, they're capturing a lot of, you know, guys coming into like at the perfect timing. And sometimes that's what it's about. Like, I don't know if Tom Allen can sustain the success in Indiana. Maybe he can. I would be surprised if he does. I think this is an incredible year. Um, but if he could rattle off three 10-win seasons in six years, the way Harbaugh has, I'd be shocked. I would be great for him, but I'd, I'd be shocked. So I just pulled up Michigan's depth chart. So I would want to dive a little bit deeper into this. I would want to see what you're developing. Uh, so I'm looking at the offense. Start with Ronnie Bell, junior. I'm looking, and you go all across the board. Sophomore, 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 junior. One offensive lineman that's a senior. Uh, their guard, junior, sophomore, junior, sophomore quarterback, sophomore, and then a senior fullback. Defense, one senior uh, in Pay, junior. They do have another uh, graduate and then you go junior, redshirt, sophomore, 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 junior, sophomore, sophomore, senior, freshman. So, like, I see some youth on this team. And trust me, I get it. Every coach you've ever talked to would say, we're young. They all, they all say the same thing. We're young. But I do think you've got to look at a quarterback who's making it as it's a first year. Like, it's first-year quarterback. There are some, quote, excuses. Um, it is COVID. It is a unique one. I would say let's see how this finishes. I would be keeping a very close eye on it. And you, maybe we check back here in December 12th, whenever the season ends in the Big Ten, and maybe it's time to just rip off that Band-Aid. I, I, my hunch tells me that it will be – and Barrett Salee, our buddy uh, at CBS Sports HQ, had a pretty good – he's like, it's that old couple that's been married maybe 15 years, 20 years. So they're not that old, I guess. But they've just kind of had a volatile relationship and they decide, you know what? We're going to part ways. Kind of what Barton was saying. Like, you kind of hope that it ends amicably, like everybody can get along. Maybe that's the situation. Maybe that's the best case situation for everybody. But I would definitely wait and see what happens the rest of the season because I don't feel like the team has quit on them yet. And that, to me, is, is the big impetus. And when you start over, you're basically becoming an expansion franchise. you got to recruit to that system, both sides of the ball. You're cleaning staff. You're changing schedules. Everything changes. So, so here, that's here, my take. Here's my deal. I, bef before I fire him, I'm going to have like a mid-season conversation, mm -hmm. status check, all right? I'm going to sit down and say, Coach, tell me your plan here in recruiting. Tell me your plan in assistant coach hiring. Tell me your plan and what this is supposed to look like long term. Because the part of the problem that I have with Harbaugh is it all seems very aimless. It all seems very, I'm going to hire the biggest name I can find and I'm going to add them to the staff. And it doesn't matter if it really fits what we need, but we're just going to, we're going to pile up names. We're going to go and we're going to do, you know, satellite camps around the country. Doesn't really matter if this is like an efficient use of our time, but we're going to just make sure that we're out there. Uh, we're going to go recruit New England because that's where our guys have ties. We're going to go like we're going to go recruit guys in Canada and overseas, and like it's all just very just. Oh, we're going to do it because we can. We're going to do it because we're because we're 
hard nosed and hard working and football, 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 but it's none of it seems like it is part of a comprehensive, holistic vision for the program. It all just seems like it's hardball, just getting up every morning, attacking the day, just full speed ahead, but without any like real, like, like actual strategy. And so it's not just the idea that they've, they have not met the expectations that we have at Barton A&M. It's the idea that the way he has approached it seems like it's, it's a little bit aimless. And look, if you can articulate what the plan is to me, then maybe it'll change my opinion. But I, I am, I'm having a hard time figuring out what the approach here is at Michigan and, and why I think it, it, that what's going to happen in years seven and eight is going to be different than from what's happening one through six. I could hear Havar. I could literally could picture him getting irritated with whoever asked him that question. You're like, are you kidding me? We're gonna, <laughs> are you kidding me? We're going to win. We're going to beat Ohio State. We're going to win the Big Ten. We're going to win. You're like, I could just hear him getting irritated and just giving the football guy answer when you're wanting the what is the plan to get there? And that's understandable. Right. I think that's a totally reasonable question to ask him. We've always said at CPU, it's not a four-year decision. It's a 40-year decision. We're here to grow young men, and we're here to put them out more cultured into the world. How could I turn my back on the man who took my players to Europe and introduced them to culture, to somebody who is really invested in bringing more than just football into their lives? I'll have some conversations with, uh, you know, the boosters, make sure that they're happy. And as long as they're happy, which sometimes has to do with the graduation rates. And as long as the graduation rates are happy and as, as long as the money's good, um, you know, yeah, uh, the khakis can stay on the sideline for as long as they want at CPU. Just, you know, eight, nine, 10 wins, good graduation rates, no scandal. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's good here. That's, we're, we're really, we got the big vision of what it takes to be uh, a young man and introduced to, into society. That's what we value at CPU. Hey, Barton, I think it's becoming pretty clear that Fernelli Tech's not the nerd school. Here. <laughs> There's no question about that. I mean, that was disgusting. If you've been at Barton A&M for six years and there hadn't been an NCAA investigation, you need to get the hell out of town. <laughs> you're not working hard enough. <laughs> um, we also, so we tied Matt Campbell to Michigan, uh, Ted on Twitter, Michigan head coach, Matt Campbell, as an Iowa state fan, I hate myself also a lot of, I, I guess was, is that an Iowa state fan who doesn't want to lose Matt Campbell or is that an Iowa state fan who knows Matt Campbell so. too well and is like, like, Oh, good luck with that. No, I think he's hating himself for even suggesting it because he knows it's a good idea and it's probably going to happen. I think that's that was my takeaway. Mm, okay. You're too? Wasn't that your guys' response? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, another question on Twitter, this one from Matt. Assuming nothing went bad, like got spoiled, and you had a way to prep slash cook everything, how long would it take you to eat an entire grocery store? Like... The There's store. a lot, a lot of the clarifications we have to get here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, There's so many variables here because if I, if I have an entire grocery store's worth of food and it lasts forever, what if I don't want to eat the stuff I don't like? Like I have it. That doesn't mean I want to eat it. What kind of store is it? How much of an inventory is it? Because like, I don't know if here, I'm eating. Here, here's the way I took it. I took it as you're basically stranded in the grocery store. And that is your only source of sustenance 
uh, for an indefinite period of time. Like you'll, that's the only way you can live is by eating the food in the grocery store. Oh, I could last a long time. But how long would it see? I'm, I'm going the yeah, other I, way. I was trying to think why? about like how quickly this could be done. And so I immediately <laughs> went to like the meat and fish counter and I started dividing it up. I was like, I could probably take out the beef in a week or, you know, a week oh. and a half, you know, like chicken's going to last a little bit longer. That might take me, you know, a week and a half or two weeks. And I was really, I started at a month. My over under was at like 33 days. Like, could I, I think the baker, Hey, the bakery would hold me up. I couldn't get through the bakery. <laughs> overestimating how easily you could eat all the beef in a grocery store. That's, That's a right. lot of meat. Just, it's not just the stuff in the counter. There's stuff in the back chip. There's a lot of it. <laughs> Because uh, like, I was curious what Chip said. Was it a was it a competition or was it a survival? If it's survival, <laughs> I think you get three years. You could squeeze out of yeah. a big grocery store. Like in you, the meat section alone, I think could give you maybe a year if you did it right, <laughs> as opposed to the month where Chip's just hammering. <laughs> <laughs> I think three years you could survive. Okay, but what if you're trying to do it quickly? Like two months. Three Two months. Years. You got to eat all of that. You yeah. Gotta eat everything. That's I'm way more, I'm way more concerned about getting held up in the bakery than at the meat counter. I think I could crush some of the meat. I think that having to get through those big loaves of bread and just, just some wonder bread fistfuls of it, it does not do well for, uh, for competitive eating purposes. I think there's no. a two year project. Mm. Yeah. I think so too. How high am I? Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> performance uh, enhancers. Like, yeah, like am I going into the liquor section and drinking like a lot of beer? Because if I'm drunk or high, I could probably push through a little quicker. It's just you're going to run out of that at some point too. Yeah. How high was the dude that submitted that question? <laughs> Let's see. We'll just call him Matt on Twitter. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to expose him because it looks like he has a job as a chemical engineer. So maybe he can. Yeah. <laughs> kind of engineers is he chemically? Whatever. Wait, what? <laughs> what kind of chemicals is he engineering? Uh, all right, let's go. One more uh, question from Twitter. Uh, this one from Cap. Cap says, "Is anyone holding the dentist accountable?" Just because the guy is a wizard performing root canal does not mean his predictable Ole Miss pick and over should be acknowledged. <laughs> We do keep his uh, score, right? Yeah, we mm -hmm. do. Yeah. 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 He is uh, currently two and three on the season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the dentist has earned a little bit of grace because he has come strong in, in previous seasons. And last year, the way he was able to middle um, an Ole Miss bet with an Ole Miss under win total in the egg bowl uh, to get a, a huge payout was, was stuff of legends. And that um, was the dog pee egg bowl. Dog pee, yeah. dog pee egg bowl. <laughs> so um, that, that earns him at least one more year of just being able to submit his picks. Mm -hmm. Coming up on the other side with all of the Heisman trophy and NFL draft conversation around Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. We take a look back at what they were like as high school prospects. Next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure 
What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Great question. Uh, For pure enjoyment, I went back and listened to the very first podcast. Barton had just returned from the opening where Justin Fields dominated. Barton talked about how he had never seen a performance like that in his life at a camp. Not a word was even whispered about Trevor Lawrence. I'd love to hear what everyone's thoughts are now about the two. And was Justin really better than Trevor in high school? Great pod. Y'all are the best in the business. So this is an interesting question. Um, it, no, I mean, no, Trevor was, Justin was not better than Trevor in high school, but Justin was a better camp performer than Trevor. And, and this is an interesting thing about Trevor is the first time I saw Trevor, I think in person was at the all American bowl combine after his junior year. I had certainly seen a lot of film on him. He'd been our number one player for a couple of years at that point, but I've seen a lot of film on him. I was excited to see him at the all American combine and he was fine. He's big, tall, nice arm, but not a not a DJ Uyunglele arm, not a not a Justin Fields arm. Um, it was just like it was nothing was like startling about it. It was just like all right, like he checks the box of like he's not he's he's certainly like isn't concerning. He just isn't isn't striking. Um, I saw him in another camp later on in the spring. I saw him in the Elite Eleven finals alongside Justin Fields. I think I saw him in the Elite 11 um, semifinals too. And then I saw him at the All-American Bowl. Not one of those events was Trevor Lawrence like startlingly good. Um, in fact, I remember the, the commentators at the All-American Bowl because we had been talking about him, you know, leading into that game being like, this dude's, this dude's unbelievable. You're, you know, he's, he's the next great quarterback. And even those, the commentators in the game, it was uh, Ross Tucker um, uh, and, um, oh, my guy, who's, I'm blanking on his name. Um, but uh, th- they were like, you know what, he's, he's just he's, – he's, he's good, but I was expecting a little more than that. That's just – I don't know why that is. He just was never, like, dominant in those settings. But on film, on Friday nights, Trevor Lawrence was fantastic. So his so his so his his his, his, his like one of the elite quarterbacks in the country was never in doubt, uh, but there was a point when I, I I actually thought Justin Fields was 
should have been one and Trevor two. Like that was my personal opinion because I felt like the trajectory was earlier in the development for Justin Fields. Trevor, we kind of knew what he was. Justin, there was, it was a little bit of a door number two, like we, what he can become. And that performance at the opening was, was sort of the catalyst for that mentality. That never got fully realized because he was hurt a lot of his senior season. And he's, so he just didn't play as many snaps in high school as Trevor. So it was much more of a guess. And we were, I was very comfortable going with Trevor as number one player at the end of that process. But that's the reason right now where when Justin Fields and Ohio State season started, you could make a case. Everyone was penciling Trevor Lawrence in as the number one pick in the NFL draft and still are. But that's, that's always been the reason why I felt like, like don't count out Justin Fields in that spot because we are still in a very early spot in his career arc from a exposure standpoint, from an experience standpoint, from a starts standpoint, and his talent level and just wearing shorts and a t-shirt uh, running a 40 yard dash and showing his arm strength. Like they are n- not only just like on the same level as Trevor, they might be above Trevor just in terms of the pure traits. And so I think it's a really interesting sort of um, th- those guys side by side has been, it's, it's been one of the, the highlights of my career to have seen those guys early in their development and for them to be hitting the way they are, because it, they're just, they're both awesome. But, Trevor Lawrence is pegged as John Elway, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. Like he's in that stratosphere and Justin Fields isn't. And you're saying maybe Justin Fields should be seen as this once in a generation type of quarterback right on very even par with Trevor Lawrence. I think we could have two sort of the generational quarterbacks in the same class here. And, and, and I don't think, I guess I'm saying it's not a given that Trevor is I think what Trevor, like he was starting since his freshman year in college, right? And he was starting since his freshman year in high school. He started every year for the last, what are we at? Seven years now. It was something like he had no losses in high school as a starter. And his first loss in college as a starter was in the national championship game against LSU. He's just, he's never lost. He's got like four, four losses in like, you know, 80 games in his life or something. Um, And, and the difference here is that Justin was uh, started as the first full-time starter as a junior, missed much of his senior year, missed his freshman year. Now we're two years into this thing, whereas we're like, we got a Trevor's got his head start on Justin. So I'm not claiming Justin is better than Trevor. Like, don't don't read, don't don't like misconstrue my statements in that way. I'm not saying you are, Danny, but just to the listener. But I, what I'm saying is, I, I think that because of this sort of de- like like difference in stages developmentally these two quarterbacks are on and because of the traits Justin Fields possesses there's a case to be made that the best is still yet to come and we're seeing it what does he have he has like eight touchdowns to seven to seven incompletions through three games this year I mean it's absurd so like there's there's something to uh Justin Fields here isn't there another Georgia aspect of this I say this you know very very sad you know as we have to maybe draw some attention on uh, my not y'all's or our beloved dogs but uh, they're both from the state of Georgia Uh, obviously one started at Georgia but right now we're gonna be looking up in the college football playoff Georgia won't be there Ohio State will with a quarterback from the state of Georgia Clemson could with a quarterback from the state of Georgia and Justin Fields like does like where where's the disconnect? Like was was that really a Jake Fromm thing in that Bulldogs quarterback room? Because I kind of felt 
last year, like the the Jake Fromm and Georgia offensive struggles, like, I mean, I, I think back to specifically that South Carolina loss because Fromm was awful in that South Carolina loss last year. And Fields, you know, exploding, looking awesome uh, with the Buckeyes offense last year. Like, does, like, what happened? You know, what, what, is, what is our best understanding of what happened in that Georgia quarterback room on, with that Georgia offensive staff such that Justin Fields, this potential that you foresaw coming out of the opening and clearly has been brought to life at Ohio State, that it just never really clicked with the Bulldogs? <clears throat> I, I think personally, I think it's really hard to bench somebody when you're attached to them emotionally. And it's probably the coaching staff it's like, hey, you're going to get your opportunity. They were probably preaching patience. Like, hey, you just wait another year. Jake will go pro, and then you can be handed the reins, right? Or just wait for your turn. And that's a really tough conversation to have because it's also easy to overlook what Fromm did. I mean, I was at the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma. He had a great game. He went back and forth. Like, he's had some good games. But he was, you know, he's a leader. And that's not to say that Justin Fields wasn't, but there's an emotional attachment to somebody that you don't want to remove them from their position unless it's completely obvious. And, and maybe it was, and that's what I don't know. If it was that obvious in practice every day, which I don't think it was. I mean, I think Jake Fromm was a good quarterback, but clearly he wasn't generational type talent like we're talking about Justin Fields. The other thing is, I don't know, maybe for Justin Fields, like I don't, I don't, maybe it would have been a conservative offense. You know, maybe it wouldn't have fit him as well. Cause I don't know if he's lighting it up the same. So it might've worked out better for fields to go to Ohio state and play in an offense where they would, you know, tailor it to his skill set, which is awesome. You know, and I, I know Georgia fans are, you know, it's been trending every time Georgia plays, Justin Fields starts trending. You feel kind of bad for him. I don't necessarily know. It's a lock that it would have worked right away. Maybe eventually, but I would, don't know. Would Georgia have been willing to adapt to fields? I don't know. I, I think that they would have had to adapt a little bit because obviously like, and I don't even know if it's adapt as much as it would be just kind of expand because like Justin Fields is capable of doing things that Jake Fromm can't. But if you look back to that 2018 season, when Fields was just kind of getting some spot duty or some mop up duty late in games, it's like you were saying, Danny, like the, Jake Fromm hadn't given them a reason to bench him. If you go right. back to that season, Fromm finished fifth in the country in passing efficiency. It's not like he was having a bad season. He threw for, you know, threw for, he's averaged nine yards per attempt. He had 30 touchdowns and six interceptions. He had like one bad game in the entire season in the loss against LSU. And even in the losses at the end of the year against Alabama, Texas, he still played well. He, he just didn't win the game. So if I'm Fields, Based on the way Fromm was playing going into 2019, I'm not sure I'm going to be starting in 2019 because Fromm's not playing poor enough to lose the job. But yeah, I think if he stays and he is somehow the starter, if something happens with Fromm, if he'd been out playing him in practice, if Fromm had been playing poorly, then I think that naturally Georgia would have had to change the offense up a little bit. Maybe not running the same kind of thing he's running at Ohio State, but I think there definitely would have been a lot more, kind of like what we see with Dwan Mathis now. When Mathis came in for Bennett against Florida, or when Mathis has come in at other times, Georgia's offense has looked different than it does when Stetson Bennett's in there. And I think that we would have seen the same thing with Justin Fields. I think I don't have confidence in Georgia to select the right quarterbacks, and I don't have confidence in Georgia to make their offense quarterback friendly as quarterback friendly as, say, Ohio State or some of the other really successful offenses do and have. 
Um, I am less confident that Justin Fields would be what he is right now if he was at Georgia than if he were at Ohio State. And and that said, like I also again acknowledge that that was not an easy decision and maybe not even like a super reasonable decision to make that for Justin Field to to jump Jake Fromm in that starting lineup given the way they're playing and the way Jake Fromm was playing at that point in his career. And it was – and so – but I also think that were, would Justin Fields have found the field? Now, found the field, I think, by that sophomore season. I'll, I'll, I'll make that caveat. Um, then I think that he would have grown into that offense and he'd still be a Heisman candidate. He'd still be a first-round draft pick. He might not be quite as prolific as he is at Ohio State, but I, I still think he'd be I, – I, my visions are of them being pretty damn impressive in that offense too. Well, both it's really hard to. You know, why do you think a majority of coaching or quarterback competitions usually favor the the upperclassmen? Right, there's a safety there too. Like coaches realize if you screw up one of these decisions, you could it could cost you your job. Like, what if you put Justin Fields in there and he wasn't ready yet, and you lose a game because of it? And then the fans are coming for you. It's a lot easier to roll out Jake Fromm, who's you know had some success, a lot of success, and say this is our guy. And you just kind of let that play out as opposed to taking this riskier, albeit. And, and like, I, I don't know. I think Saban got lucky with the way things played out with Tua and, and Jalen Hurts because, I mean, there was a lot of speculation. Do you remember? It was almost like a weekly thing in November. It was, if Tua doesn't play soon, he's going to leave, mm-hmm. right? He's going to transfer. And then it just so happened in the SEC championship game where Hurts is playing bad enough where it was really like, what else? Like, you just throw, throw him out there. And then Tua goes out there, plays awesome, has a memory of throwing the rest of his history. Like, I don't know if Saban makes that move unless it was completely and utterly obvious like it was. And he gets a lot of credit for it. Now, maybe he does. I, I, don't, I find it hard to believe. But it just kind of played out perfectly for Saban that way. And maybe if there was an opportunity like that, but there really wasn't at Georgia, then maybe you would have seen Justin Fields. You know, well, it's the same I, thing that happened. Yeah. Ironically, it happened like that's how Jake Fromm got his start. And Jake Fromm yes. was, mm-hmm. and, and, and look, Jacob Beeson is more talented. The NFL draft showed that, the arm talent, whatever. But Jake Fromm was a better fit for that offense than Jacob Beeson. They were better with Jake Fromm than they were with Jacob Beeson. And the only reason we really saw and had the opportunity to see Fromm take over from Eason is because Eason got hurt. Mm. Yeah, and going back yep. to that 2017, like you mentioned with Tua, there's a far greater argument to be made for reasons to bench Jalen Hurts in 2017 for Tua at Alabama than there was for benching Fromm at Georgia in 2018 for Justin Fields. Mm. Well, Ohio State and Georgia are both teams that are included in this week's edition of the College Pick'em. We've been telling you about it. It's Tuesday as we sit here to record. The College Pick'em is open. I'm looking at it. CBSSports.com slash college. A couple different ways you can play. You can play as a, a solo entry, and you can try and get the 1000 weekly $1,000 weekly cash prize. Uh, try and get a piece of that. Or you could also like enter as a group, get in with some of your friends so that you all can compete against each other. Again, the solo entry every single week, $1,000 guaranteed, given away. All you've got to do is go to cbsports.com slash college. Uh, the biggest games, pick them against the spread, submit your entry, nothing to enter. I'm looking right now. Georgia, you can get them minus 11 and a half, or you can take Missouri, Ohio State, 20. 20- 
five and a half, or you could take Maryland. Uh, those are just some of the games that are on the board, on the card for the college football pick'em challenge. Again, you can play by yourself and try and get some of the guaranteed money that will be given to the winners, or you can enter as a group to try and compete against your friends. Either way, you do it by going to cbsports.com slash college. That's cbsports.com slash college. The it's every single week opens on Tuesday, closes noon on Saturday. So you've got till noon on Saturday to get in that cbsports.com slash college for the college football pick them. Next question comes from notorious big L notorious with the subject all caps. What is Pruitt doing? Why does Jeremy continue to live and die by starting Jarrett Garantano and not start his true freshman Harrison Bailey? He said he doesn't want to throw him to the wolves and kill his confidence, then throws him in down two scores in the fourth quarter. Give him a week to prepare and let the kid throw the pill. Coaches all over the country are starting true freshmen. My Vols aren't winning anything anyways. Help me understand. Woo. <laughs> He's got a point. <laughs> I hear. I think it's a really, really delicate balance that you do have to manage with young quarterbacks, right? And it all depends on individuals. I was, I was that guy. So Charlie Ward, uh, I was the the plan for me for Bobby Bowden when he recruited me was you're going to redshirt a year and then you're going to sit out for two, so three years sitting, and they're going to get to start for two. And I was, sign me up. It sounds great. Great coach. I'll play baseball in the first couple of years, and then I'll, I'll go out there. Well, I go there. I mean, you know, I get to camp. Kenny Felder, who was a quarterback, goes to Major League Baseball, gets drafted, changes his mind. Jeff McCrone, another quarterback, has an elbow issue, has to quit football. So all of a sudden, we're looking around. It's, I'm, I'm second. I'm backup. So I'm like, okay. Here we go. Now, every quarterback's different, and quarterbacks now are much different because they played a lot more football. I hadn't played much football. Two years of high school football, that was it. Never played peewee, no nothing. No seven-on-seven seven in the summer. I had played in a very you didn't start playing. You didn't, you didn't actually start playing football until no. your junior year in high school? 16 years old. So I was, I was junior year, 16 years old. First time I ever put on helmets. I didn't even know wow. how to put on the pads. I had to have my best friend like show me where they go. Um, so I was very, very green. So Charlie Ward goes out there, and he throws – Four picks versus Clemson. Four picks versus like he had multiple games. Wake Forest. He had some bad games, and you know, hey, they're like, hey, play Canell, right? Play Canell. So I came in a couple times in relief, and I remember I was I could hardly call half the plays. I was so not ready. I was like, Charlie, you got to get this stuff straightened out, man. I don't don't, don't, be, don't be going out there and throwing any more interceptions. You got to keep rolling, and he did, but like. I was not ready. I would have been completely overwhelmed. Now, may, I, I did. Have, I actually had some success, which was just total dumb luck. Like I threw the ball pretty well, but the coaches knew I wasn't ready. They knew they didn't have an opportunity. So everything is different. So I do think you also have to be careful of, you know, do you ruin this kid because you need him now as an option? Do you ruin him for the next two or three years because he loses confidence? Maybe the fans boo him. And that's, it's fragile. Like it's a, it's a delicate balance. Some kids can handle it. So others couldn't, you know, does he develop bad habits? Does he get shell shock? Cause maybe he's getting hit a lot. There's so much that goes into it where I understand that you want to protect certain players, but I completely understand that mindset of a Tennessee fan that's saying we got to find out. And I also understand that 
Maybe you find out because if he's not ready, and let's make him ready next year. You know, it has been. You are moved into this season uh, to a point now where you should be getting closer to ready, but it is a really delicate balance. So I, I think it's easier than just throw him out there to the Wolves, um, which is a really easy, you know, kind of thing to do. I, I do think, it, I mean, maybe not this week because you've got Texas A&M and that's a def- difficult game, but every game's difficult. I, I do think if you're Jeremy Pruitt at this point of the season and you're two and four and you, you obviously, you know, Guarantano's not it. And if I want to start thinking about 2021, I feel like maybe now, why not put Harrison Bailey out there, get him ready during the week, get him prepped, let him know you're going to be starting and just say, listen, man, <laughs> Let's go out there and play football. If we make some mistakes, we don't worry about it. We just keep going and we keep trying to get better. And we're just getting ready for next season. Just try to approach it that way with them. Because I like like I said, you're two and four. You've got nothing left to play for if you're Tennessee. You're not winning the East. You might get to go to a bowl game because there's no rules about who get to go to bowl games. But I would start looking to 2021 right now. And I would probably have Bailey getting ready to start this week. True. He's true, right? He's a true freshman. Yeah. Yes. Who was there in January, but you didn't get a normal – he didn't go early? He didn't go early? No, he was. He was, but he just didn't get much spring practice. Right. right. So that's my point. Yeah, so you miss Let's a lot Let's get it of now, boys. <laughs> yes. And then also, he, had a, he also had a COVID issue in the late summer where he didn't have – like he missed some practices and some time with the team in early camp as well. And it's different than even in the NFL. You know, I was put in some tight spots where I was signed and you had to go right away. You know, I would literally spend – every waking minute studying the playbook, getting used to the plays. You can't do that now. Like you got class, you know, you got 20 hours. I know they can volunteer, but they got other stuff going on. So it's, it's really hard to get somebody who's missed a lot of valuable reps up to speed and get them fully prepared to play. But I'm kind of with, but I just like then dumb down the offense, make it easy for him and see if he can go out there and execute it. Wouldn't I have to worry about class had he gone to Barton A&M. <laughs> <laughs> right. but it sounds like he didn't have to when he went to Florida State either. <laughs> we're, on that. we're trying to get on that train. Uh, so the, the, here's the, I, I think whatever, fine, make the move if you want to. But I, I think there's a reason Harrison Bailey hadn't been playing. I think there's a reason when he went in there, they ran the ball six times in a row. I think that the that there's there's – whether it's Harrison Bailey doesn't have the confidence yet, whether they don't have the confidence in him, whether they haven't seen enough. Jarrett Guarantano is he, – he is what he is. But I think that the onus is on the coaching staff to give him a chance, to give to, – to like fashion the offense to give him a chance. Because here's the thing where I would disagree. Like right now I'm watching Georgia and I'm like, anything's better than Stetson Bennett. Like just let – just put somebody else in there and, and like, cause your defense is so good. Like maybe you need Stetson Bennett to have a chance in Florida. Okay. But if, if you are like anyone else you're playing other than Alabama and Florida, probably your defense is maybe good enough to get, to just give you a win. So let's just try something else out. I don't think Tennessee can just try something else out because if Tennessee tries something else out and it's Harrison Bailey and it's a bad look and they lose because Harrison Bailey, throws three picks, then that's like that's you Tennessee needs every win they can get. And so I, I if I just sort of would personally, I would just kind of trust the coaches on this one. Um and and yet like like call on the coaches to to put something together in a game plan that gives your whoever you have a quarterback a chance. 
Um, I'm not that worried about that though. Like if, if he does play poorly and we lose games again, who cares? We're already two and four. And I would just make it known to him that, Hey, if you go out there, make some mistakes, don't feel like you got to look over your shoulder and that I'm going to yank you. This is what we're doing. We want you to get this experience now just to prepare you for next season. And as we sit here recording on Tuesday afternoon, it looks like Harrison Bailey might get in some of that spring practice work this weekend. It might be orange against white instead of Tennessee against Texas A&M. We'll see. Just, just looking. Halloween. There's a lot of games in jeopardy. This yeah, weekend, ha- Halloween way. undefeated yeah. Uh, as we approach the uh, the upcoming college football weekend. Reminder: If you want to add your question to a future mailbag episode, you can do so a couple ways. But the one way that is always open, uh, the open sign always lit. It's by going to wherever you get the Cover 3 podcast, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, and leave your question for the future mailbag episode. Also, if you follow us on Twitter at Cover 3 Podcast, then we will put out an all-call for some good mailbag questions. If yours did not get answered, it did get written down. We do have a log of questions, and so uh, keep tuning in to future mailbag episodes. You might get to hear it broken down. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fennell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.